Hello and welcome to episode four of the Rambler Gambler Show. If you're suffering from anxiety or depression, um, there's a few things you can be aware of that may help you when that shit gets really heavy. First of all, if you're going through any of that right now, um, I just want you to know that there are people that want to help, although it doesn't really feel like that right now as you're going through it. Um, and I hope that this episode can help you, even if it's just a little bit. All right. I'm a rambler, I'm a gambler, and I'm a long way from home. And if you don't like me, boys, leave me alone. I'll eat when I'm hungry, and I'll drink when I'm high. And if the moonshine don't kill me, I live till I die. The surface of anxiety is all of your wants and fears. This fear then creates a sort of mind disturbance or mind fog sometimes I like to call it that sometimes is so hard to get out of it sort of makes you feel trapped and stuck and heavy and uh, and yeah have you got the awareness have you got the ability to understand that this shit will at some point pass that's that's the key is when it's all heavy and foggy do you have that voice in your head that understanding that at some point this will all pass um it will all pass and uh, it's just about understanding why it's happening and i hope this episode can help you with that um when i was going through a lot of stuff I was in extreme physical pain and um, that sort of led to a total change in my mind uh, and I, I remember going through times where I was <clears throat> more lost than, I don't know if it was depression or anxiety, um, I definitely wasn't diagnosed with anything but I was in a hospital bed for three and a half months on like a blood transfusion machine and all that stuff and I was more lost than anything and uh, what really helped me was um, teachers so I started reading from some of the greatest minds on how to um, flourish I read a book by Martin Seligman I listened to uh, different things on psychology by Jordan Peterson um, I was given a book by Ram Das, which I mentioned before, that sort of just changed my life because it introduced me to meditation. But there was another man who um, there's another man who really uh, taught me a lot, and his name is Eckhart Tolle. And in this episode, I'm going to be uh, reading a little bit from one of his books and um, talking you through why these thoughts exist. And uh, and what we can what we can do to make ourselves feel better if we're going through stuff. <clears throat> I think a lot of people um, they live their life with all these crazy thoughts. You know, like I mentioned in um, previously on the Rambler Gambler show, 
that you have each individual has about 60,000 thoughts a day, 90% of them unconscious. So that unconscious mind isn't uh, always fuel, fueling you with uh, with love. And, uh, and if you are living totally within that unconscious mind, that's when you when you feel absolutely fucked and out of your depth and um, feel like you don't know what's uh, what you can do about it. Um, Eckhart Tolle says that you cannot be happy in the conceptual mind, the mind of comparison, rejection, and recollection, because happiness is in the aliveness of the exact moment you're in. And if you can't feel alive in the exact moment you're in, it's probably because you're in that mind of comparing yourself to others um, and living in the mind of recollection, living in the past and not living in the present. Um, and it's very hard to stay present all the time. But when you are living in that, when your mind goes to those places of recollection, um, if you have the ability to make yourself present using different tools, um, like little mind hacks, I'm telling you it helps. I'm telling you it helps. So, yeah, in this episode, I'm going to be reading um, from um, one of Eckhart Tolle's books, The Power of Now. And uh, as I read, I might stop at some points just to uh, discuss what we're after reading. And then at the end of this episode, I'm going to um, talk about different ways which we can uh, channel all the bullshit into something that feels less heavy. Okay. When someone goes to the doctor and says, I hear a voice in my head, he or she will most likely be sent to a psychiatrist. The fact is that in a very similar way, virtually everyone hears a voice or several voices in their head all the time. The involuntary thought processes that you can't realize, you can't understand, and you can't realize that you have the power to stop. You have probably come across mad people in the street talking or muttering to themselves. Well, that's not much different from what you and all normal people do, except that you don't do it out loud. The voice comments, speculates, judges, compares, complains, likes, dislikes, and so on. The voice isn't necessarily relevant to the situation you find yourself in at the time. It may be reviving the recent or distant past or rehearsing or imagining possible future situations. So what he's saying there is a lot of these thoughts, these unconscious thoughts, they tend to bring you back to past, like stuff that you don't feel good about, or they make you overthink your future. Um, here it is often uh, imagines things going wrong and negative outcomes. Um, this is called worry. Sometimes this soundtrack is accompanied by visual images or mental movies. So the good news is that you can free yourself from that mind. This is the only true liberation. 
you can take the first step right now. Start listening to the voice in your head as often as you can. Pay particular attention to any repetitive thought patterns. Those old gramophone records that have been playing in your head perhaps for many years. This is what is meant by watching the thinker. Which is another way of saying, listen to the voice in your head. Be there as the witnessing presence. When you listen to that voice, listen to it impartially. That is to say, do not judge. Do not judge or condemn what you hear. For doing so would mean that the same voice has come in again through the back door. You'll soon realize, and you will. There is the voice. And here I am, listening to it, watching it. This I am realization, this sense of your own presence, is not a thought. It arises from beyond the mind. So I read this a couple of years ago. And actually, before I read this, I had, I had um, started meditating. And a lot of what meditation is, whether you do it or not, um, it's not necessarily relevant uh, to when you're in that place of anxiety. There is a practice that you can do that just is a first cousin to meditation, um, which is recognizing your thoughts, letting them come, um, recognizing them, or as Eckhart Tolle says, listening to them impartially. So you let them come, you recognize them, you listen to them impartially, and then you let them go, and you recognize that they were only a thought. So when you listen to a thought, you are aware not only of the thought, but also of yourself as the witness of the thought. A new dimension of consciousness has come in. As you listen to the thought, you feel a conscious presence. This is your deeper self, behind or underneath the thought, as it were. The thought then loses its power over you and quickly subsides, because you are no longer energizing the mind through identification with it. This is the beginning of the end of involuntary and compulsive thinking. So, instead of just reacting to everything, reacting to every thought, getting all messed up because your unconscious mind is filling you with absolute shit some days, telling you you're nothing, living in your past, living in your future, not allowing you to be present, if you use this practice, and it sounds so simple, and it sounds like it's too simple to be true, but I'm telling you, if you use this practice where you start recognizing your thoughts, letting them come, letting them live, and then letting them go, um, I'm telling you, it's an amazing practice, doing it all impartially, uh, not judging your thoughts in any way. Um, when a thought subsides, you experience a discontinuity in the mental stream. This is called a gap of no mind. At first, the gaps will be short, maybe just a few seconds, but gradually they'll become longer. When these gaps occur, you feel a certain stillness and peace inside you. 
This is the beginning of your natural state of felt oneness with being, which is usually obscured by the mind. With practice, and it's the same, it's the same with anything, you have to practice this. At the start, in your whole day, it might only last for a couple of seconds. But with practice, the sense of stillness and peace will deepen. In fact, there is no end to its depth. You will also feel a subtle emanation of joy arising from deep within, the joy of being. It's not some sort of trans-like state, not at all. There is no loss of consciousness here, the opposite. If the price of peace were a lowering of your consciousness and the price of stillness a lack of vitality and alertness, then they would not be worth having. In this state of inner connectedness, you are much more alert, more awake than in the mind-identified state. That's what you were in before, a mind-identified state, living in your mind, attaching yourself to all your thoughts. But when you start applying this thing that Eckhart Tolle is talking about, you become fully present. And again, at the start, only for a few seconds, but that will become longer and longer. It also raises the vibrational frequency of the energy field that gives life to the physical body and you will feel it in your body. As you go more deeply into this realm of no mind, as it is sometimes called in the East, you realize the state of pure consciousness. In that state, you feel your own present with such intensity and such joy that all thinking, all emotions, your physical body as well as the whole external world become relatively insignificant in comparison to it. So there was times when I was messed up in crutches, or in a wheelchair, sorry, on crutches. Uh, had to go back to work, had to make money, had to, had to try and return to some sort of social life. There was times when that stuff was brutally hard and I was doing it in pain with, with a disability basically. Um, and this stuff helped me, but this was a current for me. This was very intense at the start. It was a current a lot. It was like, it was like every, every, uh, 30 minutes, every one hour of, of like being at work or being in a social setting, I had to be aware that all these thoughts that are going on are just a product of you know, my past and my future and how I feel like I'm being identified at that very moment. And when I started not attaching myself to my thoughts, I became a different person. Um, it's actually not a selfish, but a selfless state. It takes you beyond what you previously thought as yourself. That presence is essentially you and at the same time, inconceivably greater than you. What Eckhart Tolle is trying to convey here may sound paradoxical or even contradictory, but there is no other way that he can express it. Instead of watching the thinker, you can also create a gap in the mind stream simply by directing the focus of your attention into the now. So in this book, Eckhart Tolle um, further describes how you can become more present. 
In your everyday life, you can practice this by taking any routine activity that normally is only a means to an end and giving it your fullest attention so that it becomes an end in itself. So, like I was saying, I remember a time when I was really stressed out at work and I was at the printer and I remember just thinking, what am I doing? Like, what? Why don't I just go home and rest and feeling sorry for myself and I'm all messed up here and I feel sick and I'm on tablets and and I'm on two crutches and I'm here pretending that everything's okay. Why don't I just go home? And that's when I started not attaching myself to, to my thoughts. I don't know if it was that very day. But what he's saying here is don't wait until that moment, that moment where you're all messed up. He's saying do it at a time when when you're doing something routinely, something that you usually do every day anyway, and try to make yourself as present as possible. For example, every time you walk up and down the stairs in your house or place of work, pay close attention to every step, every movement, even your breathing. Be totally present. In my opinion, the breathing is so important because what will happen to your body when you're in, in your mind is you'll, you won't recognize your breathing. We never, we, we rarely focus on our breath, especially throughout the day, unless you're, unless you're um, trying to do it, specifically trying to focus on your breathing. But if you can catch yourself throughout the day and focus on your breathing, um, you can become totally present. Or when you wash your hands, pay attention to all the sense perceptions associated with the activity. The sound and feel of the water, the movement of your hands, the scent of the soap and so on. So what Eckertoll is trying to do here is he's trying to give you little, little simple things that you can start doing to become, to just, he just wants to give you the awareness that you can totally leave your all those thoughts and you can make yourself so present. You could probably do it right now while you listen to this podcast. If you if you want, you can do it by simply holding your hands and trying to feel all of the energy flowing through your hands. Or like Echo Toll said, when you're washing your hands, taking all the sensory receptors that goes on with washing your hands usually it's just a mundane task right but what you can do is you can recognize all the things that come with that task and it sounds silly but what you're doing is you're becoming present and if you do all these small tasks it'll be so easier to become present when you do feel down or you don't feel very good or you're in a stressful situation Another example Eckertoll gives is when you're in your car after you close the door, pause for a few seconds and observe the flow of your breath. Become aware of a silent but powerful sense of presence. There is one certain criterion by which you can measure your success in this practice, the degree of peace that you feel within. And I'm telling you now, I promise you, this shit works. Um, Eckertoll continues with some ways in which you can become present, um, but I'll just I'll finish with I'll finish with this last little part. 
It's like a summary of what I just read. So the single most vital step on your journey towards enlightenment is this. Learn to disidentify from your mind. Every time you create a gap in the stream of mind, the light of your consciousness grows stronger. So in previous episodes, I speak about consciousness and when you're living in an unconscious mind. And what these things will do is make you recognize your thoughts. And once you start recognizing your thoughts and you let them come and go, you will become present. And the light of your consciousness will grow stronger. And if you can do this at the start for 10 seconds a day, it can grow and it can become longer and longer and longer. And you can spend a lot of your day living presently. One day you might catch yourself smiling at the voice in your head as you would smile at like the antics of a child, as you would smile at just so, like, you no know, know those natural smiles. <clears throat> You'll catch them shitty thoughts that make you feel heavy and make you feel not very good. Usually you'll catch those thoughts and you'll break into a little smile and you go, I got this. I got this. I understand this. Um, this means that you no longer, if, if you can catch those and you can, and you crack that smile in a couple of weeks after applying this to your life, <clears throat> you crack that smile. It means that you no longer take the content of your mind all that seriously as your sense of self does not depend on it. So essentially what Eckhart Tolle's talking about and what I'm trying to like guide you on here is you're not your thoughts. You're not all those thoughts that go through your head. I remember years ago um, in Carrotman Cross, County Monaghan, I used to play a lot of snooker and uh, there used to be like the county competition and I remember I idolized um, this snooker player who was one of the top snooker players in Ireland at the time. And uh, and he used to make century breaks, 147 breaks. I, I watched him make a 147 break. I've watched him play against uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan, Ding Junhui, um, Judd Trump, John Higgins. I've watched him play against all these boys. <clears throat> But he was telling me a story about when he was in one of the one of the biggest finals he was in and he was telling me that he goes hey some of the stuff that goes through my head when i'm down on a shot in total silence in front of a packed room packed audience watching him and he said sometimes mad stuff he doesn't even know why the thoughts are coming into his head um he'd be thinking of like Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the fucking Pooh coming into your head when you're getting down to take one of the biggest shots in the tournament. And that's why uh, sports psychologists and stuff are um, are so present in all of sports now. And psychology in general. And I suppose what, I, what I'm doing in this podcast is I'm just sort of um, I'm just sort of talking about all the all the little tricks and tools and hacks that I've learned um, from different teachers who are involved in psychology and spirituality and all that goes with that. 
Um, personally, I think there's a couple of other ways, apart from just becoming present, there's a, there's a couple of other ways that can really help if you're suffering from anxiety. Um, so like I said at the start of the podcast, uh, the surface of anxiety is all of your wants and fears. Um, a lot of the time, that stuff makes you feel quite lonely or alone. Um, and there's a couple of there's a couple of little uh, actions you can do. So not just uh, not just recognizing your thoughts and becoming present, but they do help. But after you accept that these are only thoughts, after you surrender to the fact that you are not your thoughts. You are way more than just your thoughts. Um, once you start recognizing this, there's a couple of ways that you can apply this awareness. And one of the biggest ways to apply this awareness and this understanding that those thoughts are not you is to start doing acts of gratitude. Um, not, 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 all, not just, they don't have to be major. Um, in the last episode, I talked about the power of the word. The power of the word can be used as an act of gratitude, uh, making someone feel good. Um, also, you can write down things that you're grateful for. And people, people think they can't find a few minutes of their day to do something like this because it's, it won't, it's not worthwhile. They're too busy striving they don't know when to slow down they don't know how to stop but if you could write one thing that you're grateful for every day <clears throat> just one thing and you could just write it on a piece of paper you'd be um you'd be amazed how much it can affect your life <clears throat> down the road in a couple of weeks or a couple of months it all starts off small and it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and then you become totally engaged in it and it affects your life really positively especially at those times when stuff gets dark and stuff gets low another thing you can ask yourself is um apart from giving uh doing acts of gratitude and acts of service and uh, you know helping people can be the most sel selfish act even though it's seen as the most selfless thing because an act of gratitude or an act of service can translate into what you're giving out to someone else will come straight back to you. So an act of service, um, being great, like having that gratitude and identifying what you're grateful for. So that's why you're writing it down. Um, and when it all, when it all gets mad and foggy, can you get yourself to the point where you say, what is this teaching me? What is, or, or even when it's not, even when it's not all foggy, can you ask yourself, what is this teaching me? And um, what am I learning by doing this? Uh, when I become present for those couple of seconds, what did I, what did I receive? What did I get out of those couple of seconds of being present while washing my hands, while walking up the stairs, while in the car, while just right here, right now, listening to this? What am I getting from this? You're getting that feeling that you are present. You are not your thoughts. 
Um, there's a quote in the Bible, and the quote says, uh, the quote is from Jesus, and it says, I'm in the world, but not of it. So, to recognize that you're here in this world, but, you know, you're here in the world, but you're not, you're not, you're, you're not everything. And at the same time, like, you're not nothing, you know? And at the same time, you're everything and nothing, you know? So you're in, I'm in the world, but not of it. Um, guys, I hope this uh, helped uh, for anyone going through stuff or anyone who's trying to just understand uh, friends or family members that are going through stuff. Um, maybe this this helped you to, to sort of uh, pull them out of a dark hole or at least help them in a small way. Um, one of the most important things uh, for anyone going through stuff is the support of a group. And a lot of the times when people are going through uh, depression or anxiety, they um, isolate themselves and they don't want to be uh, part of a group. Um, so if you are the person going through that stuff, <clears throat> if you can find the courage and the strength <coughs> to to um, find a, a, the support of a group, find a group, a support group, that might be the boys down the pub, it might be um, a sports club, it might be, you know, any, any, any people, any group of people that you feel comfortable around, um, people of the same sexual identification, people who follow the same sport that you follow, um, all, of, all of those things are the same football team, um, the support of a group is so important, um, I hope this episode helped those going through anything, and I hope this episode made other people aware of what those people go through and how we can help them uh, in some ways. That's it for episode four of the Rambler Gambler Show. Leave me alone. I'll eat when I'm hungry and I'll drink what I like. And if you don't like me, boys, leave me alone. I'll eat when I'm hungry and I'll drink what I like. And if you don't like me, boys, leave me alone. I'll eat when I'm hungry and I'